0: what God has been doing kind of as a missional church and we're going to look at it from things that have been happening in Huntsville uh, around the nation and all over the world and uh, so there's still some things to come uh, we've got a, a trip that's being planned I think it's the 30th or 31st of this month uh, to go to Nashville to help out Jeremy Rose right in downtown Nashville help those out those guys out again and uh, so if you're interested and you want to help, because there's a ton of work still to be done, and uh, what they're doing is trying, instead of being so spread out, because uh, there's so much to do, they're trying to really, really focus. And uh, I know there's a couple of different people in their homes uh, that, that they're trying to, to help them uh, as, they, uh, as they recover from, uh, from the flood. So, if, man, if you're interested in that, um, let me know. Let uh, Pastor Eric know, Johnny know. Um, uh, and and man, let, let's let's go, let's go, uh, let's go up there and see what we can do to to bless those guys. Um, you know, with with Wesley, Monica, um, these guys at, being back from um, from East a- Asia, it just got me thinking just a little bit about um, how um, uh, if what if we what if we lived right now in the first century, because in e- East Asia. Um, there's a lot of the countries over there where Christianity is illegal. In the first century, um, Christianity was was illegal. They were persecuted. And if you think about it, think about think about how the the Bible describes what Christian community is. Uh, think about what what it means to to be a Christian. It means that you worship Jesus Christ. It means that you share your faith. It means you live life with People that m- you may not know all that well, but they're family because of Jesus Christ. It means that, that they gathered regularly, even at the threat of their lives, to worship Jesus Christ. And this goes on even today in parts of our world. And I, and I was just thinking, you know what? And th- this is not to be a guilt trip, but really to, to, to stir the thoughts in us of, like, what, what if we lived in a culture like that right now? What would it mean? How would it affect the way we worship Jesus Christ? You know, I, I listen. I, I know. I, I grew up. I grew up in in a good, strong church where evangelism, sharing your faith, was pressed hard, just like we do. And and I did really well some weeks, and other weeks, I was like, I'm such a failure. And of course, I had it all wrong because I was like, I'm a good Christian when I'm sharing my faith. I'm a bad Christian when I'm not. And that's not the way. That's not the vantage point of Christianity at all. But. And you know, I just thought, well, how would it affect if I knew that I might be arrested or I might even be killed for sharing my faith in Jesus Christ? Um, we, there's a, um, a friend within the Acts 29 community in India right now that, that he, got, uh, he got imprisoned because, uh, because of his, his faith in Jesus Christ. But yet, you know, it doesn't matter what the culture is that we live in. It doesn't matter whether Christianity's legal or if it's illegal, Jesus asks us, calls us to come and to die. He calls us to come and follow Him no matter what the cost. He he calls us to stand against anything that stands against Him and say, no matter what you say, I will worship Jesus Christ. No matter what you say, I will come together and worship Jesus with with my Christian family. No matter what you say, I will spread the gospel. So I, I ask for that to really invade, invade my mind and my heart today. And I challenge you with that as well. Is to say, all right, what, what kind of a lifestyle are, are we living? What does our faith really look like uh, right now? And, and to ask God to, uh, to reveal to us. As we go further in, in this story, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 24 uh, in just a couple of seconds. Um, and we're going to see how it paints the story of, of a wedding. Um, And it's going to come all back around to us being a part of of a bride. Um, Let's pray, all right? Holy Spirit, again, I recognize I cannot, I can't bring anything to the table. Um, I I can, I could manipulate emotions. um, I could share my opinions. But Jesus, uh, I can't change anyone's heart. I can't do it. Holy Spirit, it must be you. And, and In fact, if if you guys would just join me for just a moment and just just ask the Holy Spirit to come in power and, and to transform us. Holy Spirit, we, we submit to you and, and to Jesus and to the Father. We submit to the Word of God. And um, there's a human element because there's my mind and my heart and my lips that are part of this. And I just pray anything that's not relevant or certainly if it's not true or biblical, Lord, may it, may it pass away. But anything that I say that is coming from you and is directly relevant to a man, a woman, to a student, to a boy or a girl that's in here, Jesus, may you bring the fruit because I cannot and I don't want to. God, come transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys ready for the Lord to do some things today? I am too. Um, last week, Abraham had been, he'd been widowed for about three years. He had sent his most trusted servants, um, Genesis 15 called, called him Eleazar. And we're not for certain that this is Eleazar. This is the this is the guy who does administrate and is over all of his household. His most important employee, and you know that's within that's within his family that oversees all of his dealings. Um, it's decades ago. Genesis 15 talked about Eleazar. So we don't know exactly if it is him or not. But I've been calling him that. Um, it, it for certain is a guy that knows Abraham, that knows Abraham's God, and is a great representative. As as he goes forward to uh, to find a son, find a, a daughter in law for for Abraham and a, a wife for Isaac, he makes a journey of somewhere between twenty one days to a month just to get to Haran. Um, he prays very specifically about how to fulfill this mission that he's on, and then he meets Rebecca at at a well among a bunch of other ladies. And Rebekah goes out of her way to give water to Eleazar and to water his ten thirsty camels that he had from this trip. And this is where we jump back into the story. So Genesis 24, starting in verse 22. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms wearing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman." The New American Standard uh, version and also niv has something very similar uh, nas says the man bowed low and worshiped the lord i think it's niv that says that he he hit the ground he he, he fell onto the ground and worshiped god because he'd been he's on this mission he's been on this mission for three weeks to to about a month and and it's like god I'm, I'm i'm looking for a needle in a haystack here i'm supposed to find the perfect woman and to do it in a matter of days and bring her back how in the world is this going to happen? He prayed very specifically. If you want more details, check out last week's teaching and message uh, on that. And he comes and, and that very specific prayer that was, I believe was led by God was answered very specifically by God. And he worshipped the Lord. He fell down. And I'm telling you, I think this informs us on how we're supposed to pray. I believe that we are to pray very specifically um, when we when we pray specifically then then when god shows up and he answers those prayers we see it very clearly you see uh we're, we're told daily we're told by jesus to daily ask for our daily bread do you know that in the lord's prayer to ask god for our daily bread. And, and and you should be very specific in the needs that you have in your, in your life and in your family's life that you pray very specifically. Because the thing is, is if you don't pray, then God, when He provides for you, you'll just kind of yawn and just say, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to get that. But when you pray, when you say, God, I, the very strength I have uh, or the very skill set that I have to, to create income for my family comes to you, and I could be disabled at any moment, or, or my eyes that I use you know, for my scientific research, I could be blinded or could, you know, could, could get cataracts any day. God, you're in control of all of that. And if you don't recognize that, you will, you will miss that God is providing for you every day, even in your abilities. But if you thank God every day and ask Him every day, to continue providing for you then you will see that he specifically answers your prayer and so you pray specifically and then you end up you thank him specifically and you worship God specifically I'd I'd encourage you guys that you would journal somehow some of y'all man you're writers and and all your life man you've you've been in a diary or or now you you do a blog or maybe you tweet it out now uh... but you you've just been faithful to that others like me I'm more I'm more sporadic I didn't, I didn't really enjoy writing all that much uh, growing up, but have grown to, to love it a lot more. Uh, but even then, it's, it's, it's kind of sporadic. It's okay. Wherever you are, I just challenge you that you'd have something to where you would record where you pray specifically and God answers specifically. Because what you'll do is, is you will develop something that becomes, it becomes a gift that you can give to a child or to a grandchild someday and just say, you know what, I want you to see That line after line, week after week, month after month, my God was faithful. No, I can't prove the existence of God, but I can tell you that my God has been with me. He stooped daily, weekly, monthly. Just look at all the things that my God has done specifically. Verse 28, then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother who, whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on her, on his sister's arms, and heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. Then he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. Uh, just point something out that's a little strange about those about those uh, three verses. The order is a little bit strange. Uh, verse twenty nine talks about uh, excuse me, ver- verse thirty. it talks about him running out to the man, and then it says that when he heard about it that he that he went out to meet him and um, most likely, Moses wanted us to see that Laban was not only moved by the stories but also by the riches uh, that were on her sister on his sister 's arms. Um, this sets a tone later when we see that um, when Isaac and rebecca's son jacob when when he goes and and desires to marry marry rachel and ends up marrying leah and then later on marrying rachel that there's a manipulation that laban that laban uh, brought to the table um for years uh he had he had jacob working for him and a lot of it, it just had to do with with riches um and so it's, it's not spelled out. I don't think we need to conclude that Laban is acting wickedly uh, at this point. I, we don't conclude that. Um, but again, I think there's just some foreshadowing that's going on here to show that Laban was a conflicted man. Um, Jeremiah 9, verse 23 through 24 talks a little bit about whether we trust more in riches or trust more in God, whether we trust more in our abilities and our skills, or even someone else's abilities and skills, or trust in God. Jeremiah said, he said, this says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And so it's, it's important that we're a people that say, alright God, I will trust you and let that then inform me about my circumstances rather than looking at my circumstances to inform me about who you are. Do you get that? Because I'm telling you, by, by nature, by default, David Thew, the pastor here, I, I tend to look at my circumstances or relational struggles or whatever, whatever's going on, the conflicts that are, that are in my life, and then I kind of look at God and say, alright, what's the deal with you? Rather than looking at God and saying, God, alright, You're sovereign and You're king and You're writing a story that I can't imagine. And You're in charge of far more. And You're administrating far more than I can imagine. Let that be what informs me about my circumstances and my toil relational struggles. Verse 31, um, he said, Laban said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I've prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. All right, so right here, it, it, it's explaining that uh, he was not not alone. there was ten camels, and so there was probably anywhere from from uh, one to eight other men that were with him on this journey that had been bringing these riches and that they, some that they were going to leave, and then in a little while, the riches that they 're going to take back, which would be Rachel i mean Rebecca and and some of the ladies um, and so this is This is not a small thing that. That's being offered to Eleazar and and to his men by Laban. This is a great act of hospitality to say, I want to come in and shelter you from the wickedness of the road and and the night and the and, and robbers and thieves. And and I'll feed you. I'll feed all the people in your company. I'll feed you well. We'll feed and water all of your camels. This is this is something where you're really he's putting himself out for others. I, I think this challenges us this informs us well and I got a question for you when when's the last time that you had that you invited someone into your home and into your table to eat with you when's the last time that though all the bedrooms may be packed up with people or or stuff that you offered your couch or offered a bed or maybe you offered to sleep on the couch and gave someone else a bed so that they could they could stay while they're coming through town or they've come come to see you and you put yourself out for a relative or somebody but let's go past the people you know when's the last time that you invited someone you're just getting to know someone who's still kind of a stranger a coworker, that you invited them to the kitchen table that you invited them in into you uh, we say this every once in a while um, there, are, there are two things that transcend all culture that show that show acceptance and blessing to to a per, acceptance of a person and blessing to a person one is to share a meal with that person that that across cultures and across time that has always been something that says if you share a meal with somebody that means that you have an acceptance of them you have a, there's a friendship there's a bond there's certainly not a rejection of them now a step further though because the privacy of a home and the intimacy of, of a home. And many times, you know, I mean, we, we have a, I mean we've got a, a, a kitchen and, a, and a, a, a breakfast area and a living room, and we have some bedrooms. But back, back then, I mean, it was tents, you know. Maybe it was one room, two rooms, things like that. You invited somebody in. They probably saw, they probably saw where you slept. They'd see, they'd see who you were and, and what, what was important to you. When's the last time that, that you've opened up your home to somebody that you're just getting you're just getting to know. What about someone who's not a worshiper of Jesus Christ? You guys, Christianity is an invitational faith. It's, it's vital that we're a people that we're inviting people into our home, that we're inviting people to Jesus, and we're inviting people to into a, a culture of worship. And I'm so glad to see you guys here today. It's so incredible. It's powerful that when we come together and worship. And, and some of you, you're here, you're here with a friend, you're here with a family member that's that's invited you. And and some of you you, you, you came here because someone invited you. Then I want to affirm that. But I also want to challenge that that we we know that Jesus said that the Christian faith is it's like a wedding banquet. That that there are people out there that when they receive an invitation, they don't even come. But you know what's kind of worse than that? The people that are in the banquet already that refuse to invite others in. And the faith of Jesus Christ is not an exclusive faith. And most of you guys, you're you're so friendly. You're, You're wonderful people. But I want to challenge you. What does... What does your status of invitation to people in your life say about exclusivity? Are you living an invitational life? Are you you inviting people into your home? Are you inviting people to Jesus? Are you inviting people to come and to worship? People that are Christians, but particularly people that are not Christians. Are you you taking the risk and saying, man, come. Come come to the wedding feast. I don't have all the answers. But just come. Be free. It's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a theology degree. In fact, one of the one of the most important things for you to do is to have these spiritual conversations that go to Jesus and you may say, "Well, Dave, I don't know. I don't think I know the best lead in question or or I don't know how to I don't I don't know how to trans you know, transfer from from family to occupation to recreation to message. I don't know form like that. I, you know, I don't know all the stuff. You know what, man? Just ask them what they think about Jesus. Just get them to Jesus. Just say, hey, just ask you a question. What do you, what do you think about Jesus? And shut up, <laughs> and see what they say. Find out if they're just a spiritual person who they man they respect Jesus, but they don't worship him, or if they're a religious person that they say. Probably was the son of God, but they don't live for him. And they may be a Christian or they may be agnostic or atheistic, but just find out. And just point, point them to Jesus. They may say, well, you know, I like all those Christians because, you know, look at the Crusades, look at the Dark Ages, look at all this stuff. Well, you know what? I mean, let's just talk... You're, you know, we could... Yeah, that's... There's a lot of va- validity to that, but let's talk about Jesus. Just get, them, just get them to Jesus. Let's be an invitational people. We don't have to be... We don't have to be overly aggressive, but we don't, want, we don't want to be holding people back by lack of invitation. Verse 33, Then the food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. Man, I love this. Uh, the servant, most likely Eleazar, man, he is, he's focused. And he's the dude's got to be hungry, you know? It's kind of like beef jerky every day for three weeks or a month, you know, and a little bit of water, you know, and they've got a feast that's right there. And he's, he's, like, he's like, listen, I have to stay on task. This is way too important for my comfort first. My comfort can come later. I, I can come later. I must deal with my master's business first. Man, that speaks a lot to me because honestly, I, I seek my comfort way too much. I seek for myself to be relieved. Put that in front of the mission of of my master. Um, He said, "Speak on." So he said, "I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given given him." Flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he's given all that he has. So here... Here, what He's doing is He's informing them of, of the miracles and blessings of, of their extended family. We don't know whether they had gotten word of how Abram and Sarai, which are now Abraham and Sarah, if they knew what had happened. At the very least, we know He's clarifying to them. It's like, look, hey, remember, you remember Abraham? Remember that good-looking Sarah, but, but she, she just couldn't have, couldn't have a baby? Well, guess what? She was like 80 years old and she had a baby. And he'd be saying, and that was 40 years ago, 40 years ago, she had a baby, and God is blessed, the, the, you know, this God of, of Abraham, I he has blessed him beyond imagination, and so he's given God the glory through all of it. Now, I've got a big section I'm going to read to you right now. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife from my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and will prosper your way guys do you know that if you're a christian in here man if you're and by the way if you're not a christian in here welcome man it's great to have you um you know you know what i want for you jesus jesus come to jesus um but he's saying that man in the mission that god has for us he's like man god's going to be with you but he'll he'll even send an angel or angels before you before you get to places and, and though sometimes because of the hardships that you'll endure, you may look and think, man, I'm not sure if God's really with me. God's with you. He's with you. And He's, he's sending messengers from Himself on ahead of you to, to, to prepare the way for you and, and the mission that God has for you. Some of you guys, man, I, I've been talking, talking with you, and man, God has some amazing dreams for you. He's got some amazing visions for you. Some of you, you haven't even figured it out yet. And I want you to know, I mean, God, He dreams way bigger dreams for you than you will ever dream for yourself. And God goes with you, and He'll go before you. You shall take a wife from my son, from my clan, and from my father's house. Verse 41. Then you'll, be, then you'll be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they do not give her to you, you'll be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you're prospering the way that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. And this is where he got specific, like we talked about last week about this prayer and he said let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom i shall say please give me a little water from your jar to drink and who will say to me drink and i will draw for your camels also let her be the woman whom the lord has appointed for my master's son we talked last week about how that was either his heart that he brought before the lord or it was god's heart revealed to him that he ended up praying to the lord regardless god met him God met him there. Does this mean every time that we throw out some kind of a weird fleece that God has to, has to meet the fleece? No, he does not. He does not. You can't just dream up something to say, well, the third person that brings me a, a Rubik's Cube on, on Tuesday, I will know that I'm supposed to eat a Reuben from Jason's Deli. You know, that's, that's probably, God's probably not going to meet you there. If he does, email me, okay? Okay. Um, but, but the, the point in prayer is that we get past praying our mind and praying our heart to where we pray the heart of God, and God blessed, and, and it's, it's amazing. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. He just said, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulders and said, drink. Drink. And I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master, master's kinsman for his son now can, can you imagine that can you imagine when he prayed this ridiculously specific prayer and then God shows up she she 's there and it 's like and, and it 's it's like he 's holding all these jewels and it's like as soon as as soon as she says it as she she offers all these things he 's just like here take these things you 're the one you're the one i'm the what you're the one i'm the what and he explains it to her Abraham who led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master kinsman for a son. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn right, turn to the right hand or to the left. Um, you know, some of you guys are in sales. And honestly, some of you guys should never be in sales. Um, this, there's a great, a great point in this, which is called a closing question you know in in here and, and and some of y'all that if you're in sales and you don't know how to have a closing question where you go ahead and put it out there and say here's the deal here it is do you want it you put a period to it and you shut up he he was very he was very direct and he says all right now listen i told you the story this is this is incredible what god's done i'm worshiping the lord but now it's on you bud what are you going to do with what i've said uh, what what 's going to happen next? He stops he shuts his mouth verse fifty, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good they 're looking and just saying, man um, I, I think this is a god thing this is uh we, we 've got Bethuel that 's in the story here, and it 's like, okay, well, this is the dad and and so you got him and he and Laban are, are, are talking through and they're responding at this point. But we don't know what exactly was happening with Bethuel. It may be the, he's old and, and sick. Um, regardless, the story is bringing indication that it's the leadership within the family and administration and things like that have now transferred over to Laban. Um, this is something that, that happens, and I don't have time to really unpack this one, but some of you guys, a lot, a lot of y'all, you're, you're so young that your parents are still still young, but what's going to happen in, in the next 10, 20 years, and some of y'all, you're there, some of you are past this stage, where if there's going to be a transfer, where you're going to start taking more responsibility and leadership within your greater extended family. Time will come when you may end up, uh, a, a parent dies, or both parents die, and you you may be the one that becomes the executor of the estate, and you have to be the one that corrals the siblings and tries to do things in a way where there's there's peace. Though it may seem like a curse, it's a blessing. And you're blessing your parents. And and, and even in the times in which I mean, they were the ones that always took you out to 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 lunch or to eat and, and you start taking taking them. It's a it's a strange process, but I just challenge you that you would press in, that you love your mom love your dad or, or it could be even your age where you start seeing that your grand your granddad or grandmother and uh just be be very uh be very gracious during those moments and during those years as things things transition um they they recognize that this is from the from god and this is this is one of the great things about having an audacious mission and an audacious prayer um we we have a tru, truly an audacious mission, and I, I, I want to tell you if you're here, man, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. If you're a sojourner, I'm so glad you're a sojourner. But but I want to warn you that if you're if you're here just because, man, you, I'm, I'm just looking for a, a cool church, you know. Well, you're probably not going to find that anyway. But if you're looking for a cool church, a cool setting, or if you're looking just, man, I, I'm I'm supposed to be in a church, I'm supposed to be a member somewhere, or you're looking like, well, I just want to find some place that'll just meet my needs or the needs of my kids. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you need to go look somewhere else because we, God has given an audacious mission that we want to press one another to, and and I mean. It, Renee a little while ago was just talking, talking about how the kids are learning about, about being a servant. And, and I just want to, we'll come back to this in another time. But, but um, really, the, a church or the body of Christ is, is a lot less like a restaurant and a whole lot more like a, a family dinner table. And here's what I mean. At a, at a, at a restaurant, man, you, you show up. And you, you give the orders and say, I want this, I want this, I want that. You send it back when you don't like it. You complain all the time. And everybody's there to serve you. Family table, though, is one where you're not there just to be served. And that, that's part of it. But you're there to serve. And it's not, it's not about someone else's provision and someone else's game. It's, that it's, it's, a, it's a we thing. It's not a, it's not a them thing. And and we have responsibilities together as a family and I mean that we, we we have responsibility to say, all right, man, who's who's good at administrating? Who's who's good at Who's good at serving? Who, who's good at mercy? Who's good at grace? Who's good at teaching? And, and to get people into the bullseye of who they are? Who's, who's great at investing in kids? Who's great in investing in which men are great in mentoring men? Which ladies are great in mentoring and discipling ladies? And 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 we press one another who, further. It's like who, who's the one that will help us to press everyone into evangelism? And for everyone to know that they're a minister, everyone to know that they're a missionary, and, and who are the ones that, that It will help us to to, uh, show people what it means to to give of their time and of their finances because it's a a family calendar and it's a family budget. And we we press in. It's not not a restaurant. It's a family table. It's it's not a a them thing. It's it's an us thing. And this audacious mission, man, it's, it's not just to be played with. Or to be comfortable with. But we, we have a world that needs Jesus. And we're right here in Huntsville, Alabama. Or you may be from somewhere else. But we are to press one another in. In our Jerusalem. Which is Huntsville. In our Judea and Samaria. Which is Alabama, Southeast, our nation. And all around the world. Um, someone said once. Said, said, man, it's audacious what you're trying to do. You're basically trying to take atheists and turn them into missionaries and you know what it's it's right it's right now not everybody's an atheist but that that really ca- it captures the thought of what is going on within christianity is taking people that are living for life for themselves for them to abandon everything to live life for jesus and for his bride it takes audacious prayers and i just ask you this do, do you believe for and pray for things that are so big that if God doesn't show up, it's doomed to failure? Do you? Are there some things? And I'm not just talking about dreams that make you big and glorified. But the things that, it's kingdom things. It's, and it'll involve you. But do you dream? Do you say, alright, God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be arrogant. And think it's all about me, but I don't want to be falsely humble and think you can't use me either. I want to be used for maximum effectiveness, for the glory of God, and for the mission of God. I, I challenge you to go home and at your lunch table with whoever you're with, and even if you're alone, that you just say, "God, it's, what's the audacious dream that you have that will bring great glory to yourself and will press the kingdom of God further?" And that you just you just take a look look back, and if it if you if you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's pretty doable, then, then you've misread it. Go back. Until it's big enough that you're like, there's just no way I could possibly do that. You're probably not reading from God's email to you. Verse 51, Behold, Rebekah is before you. They're responding to him now. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And here it's just very clear. They respond to God and to Eleazar here, and Eleazar responds to God. He's not bowing before them, but he bows before his God, the God of his master, Abraham. He responds with worship. And, and, and by the way, I mean, just note that he did this, he did this already with Rebekah. When she responded, man, he hit the ground and worshipped Jesus. Um, worship his God. And, and when he was telling the story before, and then now, when they respond like this, he hits the ground. He sets a tone with this side of, of his master's family that just says, man, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And, and you, know, you guys are with me. Jesus wasn't known there. It's all about God. And, and I ask you guys this question. I mean, what, what kind of tone do you set with the circumstances that come your way? What do you bow to when things crash? Is it anxiety? Or is it peace? Is it, is it rage and anger? Or is it, is it joy? Or do you become further as a control freak? Or do you trust in a sovereign God? Can you worship God no matter what your circumstances are? Because I'm telling you, as things come your way, you bow. <laughs> you do. You just may not bow to Jesus. You may bow before the circumstance. And I want you to know, you don't have to bow before the circumstance. Some of you all in here right now are listening to this. I'm telling you, what the thing that's in front of you right now, and the hurdle that's in front of you, or even the big decision that's before you, that maybe it could be a part of the the agenda and the dream that God has for you. Be careful. Don't bow before it. Don't bow before the hard circumstance. Don't bow before the opportunity. Bow before your God and say, God, you do whatever you want with the circumstance or with the opportunity, because they are not my God. You're my God. The servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. So uh, you've you've got, uh, again, uh, Laban, who's taking care of his his sister and other parts of the family. Um, When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and mother said, Let the young woman remain for us a while, and at least ten days after that she may go. All right, so he gets up this next day. He's rested. I mean, all this, you know, they'd arrived. I guess uh, it's like this is just the day before, and they're at dinner time having these conversations, and they rest, and Eleazar's on it. You know, he's like, you know, no, we we need to go. It's It's time to go. We need to. I, my bags are already packed, and, and we're ready to go. So, so let's roll. And 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 they responded as as I bet I would have, and said, Well, you know, um, wow, we're we're about to say goodbye to daughter, to sister, to cousin, to friend. Um, can you just give us Can you just give us a few more days together? I mean, I I certainly would have been thinking that in my in my heart. Um, Yesterday, before uh, for a wedding that I did, I, I, I spoke t- with a dad who was minutes away from walking his daughter down the aisle, and I, I said to him, "I said, I said, my daughter is is only six, my only daughter, and I can't imagine being in your in your place today." And and he looked at me and and he said, "You need to imagine it because it's going to be here before before you know it." And I I'm sure I winced when he when he said that because I'm I'm just not I'm. There's no way I'm, I'm ready to give my daughter away. Um, mamas, man, they're never ready to give their son or their, their daughter away. But I, but I want you parents, you guys are already parents, and all you in here, they will be parents someday. Just know this, the objective of being a parent is is that you raise them up, that you protect them from sin and wickedness in the world. There's a sheltering that takes place that in, in, in their lives as, as they're growing. And then, then there's to be a partnership that as they start seeing more and more of the human condition, because they're in this world, that you start analyzing and saying, this is how the gospel responds to the human condition. This is how this is this is what God's way is, this is what man's way is. And, and we get to we start to compare and we start to to help them as they as they're starting to see the world, but knowing that the time is coming that we're to send children into this world. Before I ever had kids, I, I, there was people they're saying, "Man, I don't know why in the world you'd ever want to have kids. This world is so horrible. Why would you bring a child into this world?" And I was like, "Oh man, you're kind of right. Well, maybe it's not such a great idea." Till till I read more in the Bible and Jesus spoke more and said, "That's the reason why you're to have kids—to send them in this world that needs the light of Jesus Christ." But you have to let them go. You have to. Let them leave before they can cleave. Uh, In in the weddings I do and the wedding I did yesterday, everybody makes vows. Before the couple makes their vows, start with the parents. And I ask them, have them stand up so everybody can look at them. I say, parents, I I charge you and and I'm also going to ask you that will you be a part of praying for this couple? And will you always press them to Jesus and push them together and never push them apart? We allow them... To leave and to cleave to one another, and will you be a part of helping them to be a godly couple? If you agree to this, say we will. And they say, what do they say? We will. And then I was like, everybody else, stand up, everybody. And it's like, and very, very similar. I'm like, okay, guys, man, we're not supposed to live life in isolation. These couple, this couple is committed their lives to Jesus Christ. You'd better not. You'd better not ever do anything to. Push them apart, but you better push them together. Pray for them. And if you'll be a part of this and a part of their successful story to be a gospel-centered marriage, will you agree by saying we will? And they all said, yeah, that's right. And uh, um, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. Is we're supposed to get to a place where we send them out. We send them out in, into the world. Verse 56 but he said to them, Don't delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they, they said, Let us call the young woman, and we'll ask her. And they called Rebekah. And said to her, will you go with this man that you met just a few hours ago that told you this incredibly strange story about a man that's over here and sure he's got some bling that he gave to you, but do you want to go and be away from our family? And I, no, they, didn't, they didn't put it all like that, but, but certainly, I mean, all that's, that's a part of it. It's like, will you go with this man? And she quickly said, I will go. I will go. Moses, the writer of Genesis, is clarifying on behalf of God to us that she is another Abraham. Rebecca is. She's a woman of faith. That that looks that looks at it and says, Well, um, this isn't what I expected when I got up yesterday. But this is what God has for me, not just for my day, but for my life. Let's go. Let's go. This mission is way too crucial. For me to wait, and though it'll hurt, that'll cost, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, especially if there's any of, my, any of you, my friends, that aren't Christians in here, please don't think that you come to Christ or become a Christian by saying, "Yeah, I'll sign up for him, I'll give him a try," you know, um, I'll do the church thing, I'll read the Bible every once in a while, I'll show up Easter, uh, Christmas, you know, it's, and I'll do, I'll try out the rules. That is not Christianity. Christianity is when God says, Come and die. Jesus said, Come, take up your cross and follow me. You see this path that I'm walking in of suffering for others? Come and follow me. Come, follow me. Abandon everything about yourself and come and follow me. And guess what? You're going to get a lot of suffering. It's going to be really tough. Who's in? Me, me, me. Because God changes the hearts. I and mean, I, I just hope that there's some of you Christians in here that man, you will you will reconstruct your understanding of Christianity and know, man, gosh, I, I, I I've been following the wrong faith. It's because you've been following a religion. And there may be some of you that you think that you're a Christian. You've you've been in church. You, you've tried to do the right thing, but it's never been that radical. I'm just telling you, I I I can't judge to tell you whether you're saved or not. But I'm telling you, if if you hadn't abandoned everything, then you're not a Christian. If you haven't come to a place where you just said, it's all, not part, everything. I am willing to walk through whatever you want, Jesus. If I'm tortured, if if I'm sent if I'm sent to across the world for your glory, whatever it takes, I'm yours. If that's not your heart. You need to do business with Jesus. Let Him change your heart. It amazes me, the faith of of Rebecca. Um, She is truly a a hero. She's not the greatest hero, but she's a hero. So they sent away Rebecca, her sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. May your offspring possess the gate of of those who hate him. And the, um, so what they did is they ended up given a prophecy by the giving of, of this blessing. And, and um, there was going to be tens of thousands that would follow that would follow him at this point. It's ironic that they sent a wet nurse with her indicating the future of her motherhood, though it would take years before that would happen. But again, speaking towards even that prophecy and blessing that she would be the mother of Tens of, tens of thousands, and it would be way past that. Millions and millions. Verse 61, then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. They sent other young women with her to go and be, be with her as she started this new life. Verse 62, now Isaac had returned from Bear Lahiroi and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. Isaac is forty years old now. He's returned from Beer which was the well where Hagar had been visited by an angel and been given water. The irony in, the, in this is thick, you guys. That forty years, forty years later, you know, more than forty years, forty years in his life, this ironic twist that God is providing for the chosen son. Providing for him, the chosen son of Abraham. He was meditating, it says. The Hebrew word in here actually points to kind of, it was a struggle, it was a grief that he had, which kind of points to, again, the grief that he'd he had with his mother. It had been th- about three years since she had died. But then it says, verse 63, he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, um, who's that man? Who's that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, which is what the, what betrothed ladies in the ancient Near East did. The servant told Isaac all the things he'd done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife and he loved her so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. We end with, with a covenant, a wedding that took place from an arranged marriage, but that's told in here that, that God has blessed it with love and affection. He loved Rebecca. she brought him great comfort and that's what God does with wives. I know that Danielle is the hand of God's grace in my life. She's the manifestation of His love that I can touch. She's not, she's not God. She is not grace. But God touches me. <sighs> Ladies, be encouraged by, by the life of Rebecca. Men, be, be challenged by her as well. And her faith and faithfulness to follow God no matter what. I'm going to give you some takeaways real quick before we end. Um, In this story, we see that God answers prayers. Again, be specific in your prayers. Pray from your perspective, but ask God to give you His perspective on things. Secondly, parents, remember that your goal is to prepare your children for their connection with Jesus and to send them into the world as missionaries and as ministers. Third we are like Rebecca. We're like Rebecca because we're, we're called by God and that we're on a journey with God through a broken world. We are the ones that are being drawn to God. But, after we become a part of the bride of God, then we are like Eleazar. And this is where I want to leave you guys today. We... Uh, We have to stay on task with the Master's mission. We are the ones that we're being sent by our Master to go and tell the future bride about the groom. We're the ones that are to go out in these streets and in these neighborhoods and in these classrooms and in these boardrooms and these factories, wherever we are, and we're to say, come, come to Jesus he has made a way. He brings hope for your life where you'll receive hope nowhere else. And I challenge you guys, at Sojourn Church, man, we will not be comfortable. We will press one another on into the mission of enjoying our our, our standing as Rebecca, as being a part of the bride of God, but that we go forward in this world and we're just saying, come to Jesus. God, uh, I pray that you help us as we... As we uh, As...